Well, good morning. Welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We're disciples of Jesus to build generational transformational disciples of Jesus. And I'm Pastor Aaron. I'm glad you guys are here with us and joining us online. You'll notice that I am sitting on a stool today. I apologize not to mean disrespect. I did uh, injure my back just a little bit yesterday, helping my brother move. Uh, one star, I would say, bad review. Don't injure your back. That's not fun. So uh, anyhow, uh, so I will be stay put today. So they are. They are. So uh, I'm glad that you're with us, though, because we are stronger together, and that's good, because I'm glad I'm not alone today. We had to talk about our, our uh, worth is not in, in our own flesh, and we could talk about where our worth really is and where our strength is today. And so it's uh, been a crazy year. I think we've all would agree uh, with our prayer time and things. As I was uh, driving back home from uh, work last week, I was listening on the radio, and you ever one of those little, um, radio stations where they have the little... Uh, talk show type things they're asking their callers to describe 2020 in one word yeah <laughs> that was fun huh? i don't know how you would describe it but here's some of this uh answers that uh, they came across as people would call in it was uh, uh crazy chaotic unpredictable my favorite uh one of all of those was apocalyptic <laughs> i was like well i hope maybe i don't know uh if we're lucky um, but also, how would you describe the mood then? You, you listen to that, and you see people in our culture, and you watch on TV and on the radio, uh, just seeing culture. The, the mood of, of our country is in a, is a weird spot right now. And, you know, uh, I think there's a lot of anger. We see cities burning, uh, families torn <laughs> apart. Uh, there's a lot of anxiety that's happening in our culture right now. Uh, a lot of people are... are I would say filled with maybe depression and uh, frustration. It's, uh, it's a year of challenge. And uh, I think this is a year where a lot of folks and a lot of our institutions, our culture have been stretched and some have beyond their limits. And uh, we've seen the evidence around it. Some have actually snapped. And uh, I think we have an opportunity as a church that we're going to talk about today. How do we respond in this? How has God prepared us to to answer this challenge, and actually he does have a really good answer to it, and this has a lot to do with what we're doing right now, so that's good for you guys. So our memory verse today, this was uh, not kind of last minute uh, that we got to our, oh, look at my clicker's not working today. Mm, one of those, Ray, I'm going to just kind of ask you to just, Ray, or, or but our memory verse uh, is going to be from Hebrews 10. This was kind of a last minute. This was going to be a promotional video just to kind of welcome people back uh, to church and all that. And I got to Thursday, and Zach and I were getting ready to film it, and we're like, no, there's a message in here. And it really has to do with this passage, Romans 10.25, which is what we're going to go into today as we um, uh, focus on what God wants for us. But So I'll exegete it in just a minute, so I'll give you some context. But right now, just trust me, it's a worthwhile one. This is not in the NIV, by the way. This is in the NLT because NLT puts it all in one sentence which was a lot, because I love you guys. So I found a passage in a good chapter. So uh, here we go. Just say it along with me. I'll have to do it a few times, because it is a long one. So here we go. Three, two, one. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Hebrews 10, 25, again. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, 
but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Hebrews 10.25. Again, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Hebrews 10.25. And let's test ourselves. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Hebrews 10, 25. Oh, isn't that a good verse? If you have your connection card, it's on it. If you're at home, uh, it's in your Bible. So um, let's talk about church, because that's what that passage is about, isn't it? It's a and uh, church is an important thing. And uh, I think it's been a hard year, not just for society, but as the body of Christ. This has been a challenging year for all of us. And uh, this, uh, the virus, the pandemic, all that kind of stuff, it forced us to stay apart. Uh, just like everybody else in culture, we adjusted. It was the right thing to do. We really have. Uh, we have done a lot of things. We did the online-only services for a while, and um, I and, and all of that, uh, we had virtual group meetings and all that kind of stuff. And You know, out of this time, uh, God has been at work. A lot of really great things have happened. Um, a lot of ways that the church has improved. Uh, one of the things, obviously, we're as the church, not just our church, but the church in general, better use of technology. That, uh, it's amazing to me. I think it's fantastic. You go online, and you can see sermons from everywhere, all over. And not only that, but folks who would never normally come to a church have the church coming to them, right? They have the gospel being presented in homes all throughout the country. I think that is a phenomenal thing. It's uh, been amazing. And there were resources that we already had we just never took advantage of because we didn't need to. And uh, so we've made some some good switches to that. Um, I think we've uh, done a lot better as a church as this body, but also in the church at at large, stepping up and meeting each other's uh, needs as far as neighbors and community. Uh, serving one another. It's been awesome to see the, the body of Christ rise up in this time benevolently and through bravery, compassion, serving one another, caring for one another. And um, There's been a lot of good things that have happened in that. But also, this time has presented uh, more than a few challenges. And in some of the ways, there's a risk to the body of Christ. And uh, th- the truth is, if you start missing church, eventually you stop missing church. Right? That's, that's just the way that it is. Um, and as a pastor, my heart for you, I want you to grow close to the Lord. I, I don't want you to be part of a club. Um, my, my goal isn't to, to make you just, you know, here all the time or just to be do-gooders. I want you to know Jesus. That's, I, I want you to, be, to grow in, in the way that he's caused us to grow, right? We talk about generational transformational disciples. It's following the Lord. It's having a real living relationship with Jesus, right? And, and I've Take that call seriously. I, I want you to, to grow into the fullness that God has for you, to experience the, the grace of his Holy Spirit in your everyday life and to grow in that and to see the fruits of the Spirit come alive in you, to have that joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. Doesn't our culture need that? Doesn't our world need that? I want you to have that. And one of my challenges as a pastor is I see the risk of the separation extending is this loss of community in the body of Christ. Uh, this loss of connection, which when we're not connected, we oftentimes can lose direction. 
And I find that our country and our culture needs Christ now more than ever. Right? When I was listening, it was a secular show that asked people to, to list off what they thought of our 2020. And there was fear. There was terror in some and depression and just uh, brokenness. Christ is here and he's alive. So how do we respond in time like this where there's been this separation and, and there's this opportunity for the body to dissolve or, or we've, but yet so much opportunity for the gospel to grow? How do we respond? Well, I think that has a lot to do with who we are and who we understand ourselves to be. And so we'll talk about what the church is and isn't. The church is not a place and it's not an event. Well, I skipped. Hey, you got to that. It's not a place. Church isn't a place. And I think you guys know that. And most people understand the church isn't a building. The church is not the church building any more than your family is your family room. Right? We get that. It's a place, this building is a place for the church to come and to be and to do all kinds of stuff together, important things. But uh, the church is not this place. And so you don't go to church. That's a silly thing uh, when people say, that I'm going to go to church. Well, I understand what they're saying, but theologically, deeply, that's not true. But then also, the second one is we're not an event. We're just not an event, right? Uh, church is, is no more what's happening, you know, a, a, an event any more than, you know, your family is your family vacation, right? Like your family does things, but uh, that's not who we are. So who is the church? What is the church? And you've heard me preach about this in the past. There's a lot of things that we are. We are the kingdom of Christ, right? We, we are called to be God's kingdom. We have a Lord. Isn't that great, and especially in election year, that our Lord is not up for a re-election? <laughs> like his kingdom, his throne is secure, yeah, and it will endure, and we get to be part of that, and he is awesome. We're not just the kingdom. We're the family of Christ. Apostle John says that we're called the children of God, and, and just in amazement, he says, and that is what we are, that we're his sons and daughters, that God loves us that much, that we get to be part of, of his own family, and we get to call him Abba, Father. It's an amazing thing. We're more than that. God brings us even closer, and in Scripture, it says that we're the bride of Christ, his specially beloved bride. We had a beautiful prayer this morning for 51 years of marriage. Congratulations. How awesome is that? Amy and I celebrate our 23rd this year. I'll tell you what, uh, in this world, there's nobody I treasure more than my bride. And that's how Christ feels about his church. Think about that. Loves her, provides for her, is enamored of her. That God loves his bride. And that's who the church is. Beautiful thing. And if that wasn't enough, Scripture even says that we are the body of Christ itself. That we are the hands and feet of our Lord in this world. That's pretty intimate. That's pretty amazing. That God would identify with us so closely. And all those things are true in Scripture. Describes who the church is. But you know most literally what the church is? The church is the assembly of believers. That's who the church is. It, the word for church in the New Testament. Uh, I'm going to get Greeky on you for a second is ecclesia, and um, we get, you know, ecclesia, ecclesiastical types of things, and all the ecclesia, what does that mean? Well, it's, it literally means assembly, that's what it means. The Greek, or the Hebrew counterpart to ecclesia 
is synagogue, which kind of sounds like synagogue, right? And it also means assembly. Gathering is what it means. And ecclesia is used 117 times in the New Testament. 117 times. And people think about the church, and they think when the Bible talks about it, it's talking about these universal churches, about, you know, we're part of believers all the way through, from, you know, Adam through Abraham to, to modern day. And that's true, that ecclesia is used in reference to that basically one of every five times that it's used. Right? So uh, 22 times in the New Testament, it's, it's used in context of the general church. But for every time in the Bible that ecclesia is used, just every time that it's used to talk about the, the universal body of Christ, four times it's used to talk about the local body of Christ. That's 75% of the time that is used in the New Testament is talking about a local body. The emphasis of the New Testament is talking about the local gathering, the local assembly. That's who we are. That's what we're supposed to be part of. The Christians who do not assemble literally are not part of the church. They're not part of the assembly. That's sobering. And it's not something that I think that as Christians that we should turn an eye, a blind eye to. That if three out of four times it talks about who we are fundamentally, this body, this bride, this family of Christ, it says that we're supposed to be a gathering. That's what we are. We can't just say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't need to be a part of a gathering. If you're not part of the gathering, you may be a believer, but you're not part of the church, literally. So what does the church assemble for? What do we gather for? What's the point? Well, the New Testament talks about there's some good things that we do. We gather for worship. And that's that weekly center our lives on Christ. We do that through songs, and we do that through teaching. We do that through our offerings. We do it through the collect taking of communion. It's that, that point in, in our life where we remind ourselves that it's not about us and it's not about this world, and boy, we need that now, don't we? It puts perspective on all things. It brings our life back into balance. We gather to worship and also to fellowship. And in today's memory verse, for encouragement, could you use some encouragement? God's provided it through the gathering, through the assembly. How often does the New Testament tell us that that the believers are supposed to assemble? Well, weekly, at least. I mean, you can get together more often than that. In fact, it's encouraged. But if nothing else, weekly. Paul even talks about, on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says on the first day of the week, as everybody gets together, just like, of course this happens. We're going to get together weekly. We need that, that weekly dose to start the week on Sunday as the week begins to remind ourselves that God is real, that the gospel is real, that the church, the family of God is real, that the body of Christ is real and it's active. We need that weekly. And how important then does the New Testament say that it is that we meet? Well, if you have your Bibles, you can open it up to Hebrews 10. You can see where that, that memory verse is from. Let me give you some context to what this says. This is the very end of the book of Hebrews, getting close to the end of it. The uh, book of Hebrews was, uh, was written at a time of crisis to a church in crisis. Something we know a little bit about. But let me tell you about their crisis. Th that most scholars agree that this book was written by a, a, a maybe an apostle or somebody who is uh, possibly Paul to the Church of Rome, the Hebraic, Hebraic Christians in Rome during the persecution under Nero. And why do they think that? Well, because unlike all the other letters in the New Testament, there's no author and the, the recipients aren't listed. Why would that be? 
Well, Nero uh, burnt down Rome because he is a crazy dude. And then he thought that it would be politically expedient to blame it on Christians because that was easy to do. And so he made being Christian a public health crisis. And so Nero took the might of Rome and hunted down Christians and tortured them, and they would bust into the churches, and they would find Christians, and they would torture them to find out where other Christians were, and then they would burn them alive, and they would put them before lions, and they would do all kinds of horrible things to Christians. It was a dangerous time to be a Christian in a dangerous space. But if that wasn't enough, then there was the Hebraic Christians, the ones who came from Judaism, who were Jews, who found their Messiah. And it was twice as bad for them, because their whole families, their Jewish families, oftentimes were very upset and their whole communities would excommunicate them when they found the Messiah. There was a, and so they were rejected by culture and they were rejected by their own communities. This was a horrible time, a hard time to be a Messianic Jew in the worst possible place. And so under the Holy Spirit's inspiration, the author of Hebrews, he writes this book and can't put his name in because if this book fell into the wrong hands, the might of Rome would come down and would not just kill the, the author of this, but torture everybody he knew. And he couldn't put the recipients in there to put them at horrible risk. And so the book was written, and it was sent out to the, the Hebrews, the Christians in Rome in a time when it was dangerous, dangerous to gather, to be the church. And uh, what does he say? He says, okay, so let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Can you understand why maybe people were social distancing in Rome at that time? Maybe it was a little easier not to go and to hang out with other Christians. You know, threat of being tortured and, and, and killed and have your family drug off and tortured and killed. Yeah, and he says, let's not neglect the meeting. We get it, some people do that, don't do it. Instead, now, in this time, it's more important than ever we get together. Encourage one another. Because let's not forget, Jesus is coming back. This is not a joke. All right? We don't do this because we think it's just fun to get together. I mean, I do like you guys, but we, we don't just do this because we think it's fun. Jesus is real. He's coming back. And it matters. And we need to be encouraged in dark days like this. And so even at the threat of a torturous death, we meet. The assembly is important. And why? Well, it's vital to our mission, right? It, we're called the body of Christ. And think about your body. How does it work? Well, if you didn't have your spirit in it, it wouldn't work at all, would it? It just kind of lay there and just stink and finally rot and fall apart. Do you know that the body of Christ has a spirit? It's the Holy Spirit. He indwells us. That's what it says in the New Testament. We are the temple of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't let that get far from you. That a church that is filled with God's Holy Spirit is alive, and it does amazing things. And just like our bodies don't only have life from our spirit, but also have direction from our spirit, the body of Christ comes alive in this world when it's filled with his Holy Spirit. But how can a body be filled with the Spirit if the body is taken apart? Assembled bodies are the bodies that have spirits. And we need to be together because our world needs the body of Christ in it now. We need the ministry of Christ now. If you think that any one of us can go and fill our great commission alone, separate, 
We are delusional. This world is big. It's crazy. We can't, none of us can go out there and carry the kingdom of Christ on our own back. We have to be together. And as the body of Christ filled with the spirit of God, there is nothing, the gates of hell will not stand against us. There's nothing we cannot do. And Jesus' prophecy is true then, that we will do greater works than he did. And even today we have. More people have come alive in Christ since the church came alive. We are in every continent. The Bible is now being translated in every single language. We are in every nation, every tribe. We are helping people from the inner city to the far off reaches of the world. It is the body of Christ is seeing people healed and marriages healed and relationships healed. The body of Christ is bringing hope in a time of great darkness in every corner of the globe. And we need to continue that and we need to do that here in our culture. We need to be a body. The assembly is also, though, it's vital to our testimony. We are called the kingdom of Christ, aren't we? We're supposed to be a city on a hill. We're supposed to be ambassadors. That's the body. That's the church. That's what we come together. How is there a testimony to our our whole culture if we just disappear? We need to be present. We need to serve in times like this. You know, this isn't the first pandemic that the church has faced. There was this little thing called the Black Plague. You know what the church did in the Black Plague? It persisted. A lot of Christians died. But great things like hospitals started. It was an amazing thing. The church persists. Do you know the assembly is also, it's vital for each one of us. Scripture says that we are the body of Christ and each one of us is a part of it. Now I want you to think about your pinky because you don't do that very often. Right? Your pinky is important. You would miss it if it was gone. But if somebody cut off your pinky, the rest of your body probably would be alive. It would miss it, but it'd be alive. But what would happen to your pinky? It would die. We are a part of the body of Christ. You were designed to be a part of the body. You were not designed to survive on your own. God made us to be the assembly, and only God can assemble us. Only God can bring us together, but we have to be willing. So how do we do that? And especially in times like this, how does a church assemble in, in difficult times where it's possibly dangerous? Well, I think if we look at the Hebrews, the Hebraic church in, in, in Rome, we can get some, some help. The first thing I think we need to do is we need to meet faithfully. We need to be faithful. Recognize that our presence, our willingness to assemble is an act of faith. We do this not because it makes us feel good or because it's on our own initiative or it was our own agenda. We do it because it's on God's agenda. That when we meet together, we believe that God is doing something bigger than we could ever do on our own. That we trust that God is at work and amongst us in the midst of faithfulness. When we come, we come faithfully as an expression of our faith in our Lord, whom we call Lord. And we say, yes, Lord, if you want us to come, we will come. And so we be faithful. But we don't just have to come faithfully. I think in times like this, because that's something we should do all the time, but in days like today, just like it was in a much bigger (laughs) level, more extreme in in the time of Nero's reign, we have to come bravely. There is a real, like the pandemic is real, right? The sickness is real. It it happens. It's, It's bad. It's scary. People die. 
They get really, really sick. That is a reality, and we recognize that. It, that's, it's not something that you just take lightly. Right? I mean, we have to face that there is fear there, and there's a reason for it. Coming and joining together as an act of faithfulness is going to require us to be brave. To not come once my fears have gone, but to say, God, I'm handing you my fears and my anxieties about this. I'm going to trust you. And that, that takes bravery. But Jesus said that the kingdom of God needs to be brave, forceful even. And so we have to hand our fears to God and say, I'm coming, even in spite of maybe fears or, I mean, I know some people fear this thing, the mask. I fear it too. I hate it. I hate it. When this is all done, we're going to have a mask burning party. It's going to be great. But we have to be willing to say, God, if you're going on a cross for me, maybe I can face a mask for you. Can we do that? But these are two important things, but it can't be the only thing. I think we also have to meet wisely. When there was the persecution under Nero, the churches didn't have big marquees out there saying, service times at 8, 9, 30, and 11, right? They met in quiet rooms. They, they came up with cool little symbols like that little fishy thing that you see that they could test to see who really was a believer and who wasn't so that they wouldn't let the virus of Nero come in and decimate the body. They were smart about it, weren't they? We have to be wise as well. We did a whole series this summer on wisdom. I think we need to apply that here. We can't just meet together and pretend it was like it was before. It's not. And so we meet wisely. And as a church, we've tried to do that. We're following all of the guidelines of you find anywhere else, right? You find in restaurants or in grocery stores and at gas stations and the post office. There's sanitary things that we're doing. I think now we're safer than ever, <laughs> Right? We've done things in our church even above and beyond. We spaced out the chairs extra far. We added an extra service even. And we've shortened down the times between services. Right? We've done things like our communion cups or all these little sanitary safe things. Instead of We don't even pass baskets anymore. Right? We do a lot of things to make it safe. Right? We practice the good social distancing and we meet wisely. But we meet. And that's what we need to do. Now, I get this, that there are going to be some people who need to, to not assemble. And we have to recognize that, too, that wisdom requires that there are going to be some who shouldn't assemble. A and that's going to be people like the sick, right? If you got a cold, I don't care if it's not coronavirus. We don't want that. Stay home, right? If you got a fever, you got a cough, stay home, We're, right? That we'll serve you. Let us know that you're sick. We'll bring you groceries. We'll go and drop off meds from the, they'll go to the pharmacy for you. We'll do all that kind of stuff for you. We want you to get better, but don't be here. Don't assemble. <laughs> that would be foolish if you're sick, right? And it's not just the, the sick. It's those that are at high risk. And then my wife is in this category, and it's killing her because she wants to be here more than anything. But we know now the, the CDC said that, uh, what, over 90% of people who died of this had a comorbidity, like they had something else that they were at high risk for. It's just not wise for if you have a, a high risk, stay home. It's okay. The body of Christ will come to you. Let us know. We will care for you. We'll bring you meals. We'll do all of that. Um, but if you have a significant health underlying health issue, we get it. You should not assemble. And the third group of people who not shouldn't be here are the exposed. You know, if you were, you know, hugging on somebody who had COVID, 
don't come here until we know you don't have it. I don't want to get sick because then it keeps my ability from serving other people. And we don't want this to spread in our community. So if you've been exposed, then stay home. Right? We're going to still offer online worship service. It's still going to be there. Right? Call us up. Let us know how you're doing. But if you're not sick and you're not high risk and you haven't been exposed, it's time to come back to church. It's time to be back. In fact, next week is National Come Back to Church Sunday because I'm not the only pastor that cares about our body and we see the problem with this we're saying you know what we are stronger together our country needs us needs the body of christ now it needs it now and we need to get back together we can't do this alone and so next week we're going to come back we're going to have a new series we're launching called lifesavers it's got a cool even graphic that zach put together and they're awesome there may be candies involved i don't know you're just gonna have to come and see but you know what? This is also an evangelistic series. Every week we'll be presenting the gospel. We're going to be introducing people to the Lord because he is ultimately our lifesaver. And every week we're going through different passages of scripture that talk about how do we handle crisis? How do we find God's help in times of crisis? And the word of God has got some really great things in there. And so come, invite a friend and assemble because we're stronger together. And so that's basically my message. I'm going to have Zach come up and I'm slowly going to exit the stage but as I do, this is what I would like for us, and, and especially for our folks at home as well, be praying about this. Be praying. How is it that God's going to be using our church and the church in this time? And how does he want you to be part of that? That really is the question, right? To say yes, Lord, to how he wants you to, to uh, respond. You, there's some next steps that I'm going to challenge you to take. Zach's going to challenge you to take. But first, let's just go to God and prepare our hearts to hear what he wants us to do. So let's pray now. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blessing of your Holy Spirit. Father, the grace of Christ's ministry and death and resurrection. But thank you also, Father, for the presence of your body, your bride, even now in the church. And for us to be a part of that is amazing, more than we would ever deserve. Reassemble your body in a right way, Father. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be brave. Help us to be wise. Lord, in all of this, Lord, we pray that you would work in us and through us, that we would bring about your great kingdom to the ends of this community and the ends of this world. So, Father, for each one of us today, as we consider what our next steps are, guide us through your Holy Spirit. Grant us wisdom to hear you. And, Father, the courage to answer it with faithfulness. We pray all of this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, if you would take out that green connection card. Uh, if you're online with us this morning, feel free to find that on our website, um, right on our homepage. And we're going to commit to a few things this morning. Um, first thing that you can do is memorize that verse that we did at the beginning of this service, Hebrews 10, 25. Put that on your hearts. Take the memory verse card and kind of rip that off your connection card this morning. And just take that with you this week and, and keep um, an eye on it, look through it, read through it uh, each day and put that on your heart. Um, and then also read Hebrews. Um, uh, we went, uh, Aaron went through Hebrews this morning a little bit, and uh, just uh, an amazing book um, that was written uh, just to, to give hope and, uh, and uh, really just uh, um, to, to make disciples of, of all nations and to help us to, to serve God well. And then thirdly, be faithful, brave, and wise. Um, try to do all three of those this week. Can you do that? I'm going to try to. 
Um, and then fourthly, invite a friend. Invite a friend next week. Invite him to church, like actually here, um, as it's a national back to church um, Sunday next week. Um, churches all over the nation um, are going to be coming back to church, and it's not this is hasn't this wasn't created just for COVID. Um, it was created quite a few years ago, actually, um, just as a time for people to to come back to church and also to invite people back to church. It's the main reason it was created to to, evangel- to to be out there and to outreach in the community, to invite people to church who wouldn't um, normally come or, or to, to really just put that on our hearts where we normally wouldn't uh, think about it uh, to invite our neighbor, but to invite our neighbor, to invite those that we know to church to come and fellowship with us and worship with us. All right, um, as we leave uh, this morning, feel free to throw those uh, connection cards in the basket, in the offering basket, as well as your offerings. Uh, anything that you have this morning, and uh, that'll be another form of worship. But let's worship God with one more song this morning, um, and then um, 